The opinions expressed on this show are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily represent those of Funeral Radio's management or sponsors. Welcome to the Green Burial Radio Program, a show preparing your funeral home for the growing number of families wanting more eco-friendly funeral services. Brought to you by Funeral Radio. And now your hosts, Joe Sehe and Sherry Wolf. Hi, this is Joe Sehe. Welcome to our radio program. And with me today are the four co-producers and co-directors of the documentary film, A Will for the Woods, Brian uh, Wilson, Tony Hale, Jeremy Kaplan, and Amy Brown. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Joe. Hi. Hi. Well, you guys made an incredible film that is winning all sorts of accolades and will probably win a bunch more after this this podcast comes out. And uh, I know Ted has called it one of the, the top films to see, uh, documentaries to see in 2013. You've won numerous awards, um, including some audience awards, which is pretty interesting. I always thought about a subject matter like this. Um, but I'd like to talk today about really the film for, for the end initiative about what really you, you, you tried to, uh, to capture, but also about your journey over the several years that it took to make this film, what you really learn about the funeral service industry in the States and in Canada and what, what you think they really need to take away from this film. And, uh, it'll be pretty, pretty, pretty free flowing and feel free to, uh, to chime in with, with anything you think it would be relevant. It's a pretty, pretty loose podcast as you can tell, but tell the audience, uh, if you can, uh, a bit about what you guys tried to do with the will for the woods. Um, sure. Um, I, first heard about this idea, um, I I guess I was thinking a lot about my own mortality, um, all of a sudden after, I guess, a few health issues and stuff, and then I was just so depressed and anxious around the thought that my body would either have to be cremated or put in a casket in a vault and under the ground, um, and my sister was working in green burials in Australia, and... Um, in Green Burials in Australia and uh, started to talk to me about the idea over the course of a few years and just was so inspired and relieved by the thought that your body could return to the earth and be buried under a tree and put become part of something greater in an ecosystem of your friends and family and that was um, very beautiful to me. So I, I wanted to make a film about it cause I'd read so much about it, but I'd never seen one or heard one or just, I wanted to sort of see the whole ritual. So it started out really just kind of wanting to capture it visually. And the more I read about the funeral industry, that was also really interesting. I guess when Jeremy and I started making the film, it was going to be, we were kind of just going to follow follow the industry wherever you know we wanted to just start visiting burial grounds and it wasn't long before people started mentioning you Joe and you and I spoke and then we went down to um the ICCFA funeral convention in San Antonio when we um 
got to see the sort of greater funeral industry and what that was all about. And I think we were really just discovering, learning as we went and discovering, figuring out what our story was going to be and um, just realizing that this was a big burgeoning movement. Um, and then we met Clark and our idea of what we were going to do really changed um, when we just met this really compelling, articulate, intelligent, talented, passionate man who was um, sick and having to think about his own funeral plans and planning them and had, through his cancer struggle, become a huge environmental activist, environmental, a passionate environmentalist and then an advocate for green burials. So our film, while it also covers we visit multiple burial grounds around the country and we go to a funeral convention and we hear from funeral directors and what the funeral industry thinks about this movement. It's really following um, a man nearing the end of his life um, and him preparing for his own green burial with his partner, Jane, um, who's just a, uh, captivating character who's a they met at a psychiatric uh, he's a doctor a psychiatrist and she's a psychiatric nurse and the two of them um as they go and visit their casket and go to a green burial ground in north carolina which they were helped to establish by just convincing the cemeterian to to save a swath of forest adjacent to her conventional burial ground and so we follow clark through this journey as he fights to beat cancer um and then uh eventually um it, and then he he goes to seattle to have a stem cell transplant and he doesn't make it and so in the film we see his home funeral his three-day home funeral and his natural burial and that's that's yeah we really wanted after you hear about this idea of and and how much clark how much meaning clark derived from a green burial you sort of are learning so much about it um but then you get to just really for the last almost 20 minutes 30 minutes of the film just be there in this ritual and experience almost it feels like in real time what it's like to have a home funeral and a green burial and then his whole community coming out um in you know to to be there and share um this sort of ritual with him and just the catharsis that they all received from it and music is a huge part of the film too um he's a musician he's constantly playing the piano um and then so at his home funeral all his friends play the accordion and a, there's a quartet and a choir and it's just this big beautiful celebration of his life um and i think it's a really long explanation if anyone has anything to add yeah. uh, well i i think one other thing that we really um wanted to explore in the film was this idea that you know life and death decay and, and regeneration are all part of the same cycle. And I always heard that, you know, the cycle of life, and it never meant anything to me. It was just this saying. And then really exploring that, it, it took on a real significant spiritual meaning to me um, to see Clark's life was so full of life. He was a musician and a psychiatrist and a folk dancer and had so many hobbies. And, uh, 
And so there's so much life in the film. And I think you get that in Green Burial. We try to show that in the, in the ecosystem too. There's, there's just so much life in these Green Burial Grounds. They're not defined by death. They're, they're defined by life. And so that was what meant the most to me about it. You guys really captured, uh, I think, the essence of, of what draws so many people to this idea, which is, as you say, death connecting to life. And, you know, that is such a hard thing for people in our culture to appreciate. And really smart people. We've discovered, uh, for example, in conversations with people running large conservation organizations and entities like AARP, you know, people feel that any discussion about death is going to freak people out and, and and turn them away. And really, what you demonstrated is that this idea is something that draws people in and something that people find solace in. And and they're so grateful. I think that that they have a place to take these 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 feelings. Yeah. You know, that seems like it's really been missing. And and I I hope it really um, the film I think will have some legs because I think it you know that resonates. With, within most of us who have not been able to connect death with life for a long, long time. I think it's a fairly innate thing. And you look around the world, people are, are doing it to some degree. It's just, it's been, uh, it's really been cut out, hasn't it, over the last many decades in this country? Yeah, it's, it's true. And, and I think there's so much honor and dignity in the professions that deal with it. And that's another thing that we've lost touch with. And so I think that's also something we wanted to do with the film was, and that was something that, I don't I don't know if I want to say it was a surprise for me. It's more honestly I just never thought about it. It's a industry that I hadn't thought much about before getting involved. And now I don't I don't know how that's possible because it's just so integral with with one's life. Um and to show how much dignity and honor there there is, um there should be and can be and is uh in death care was something we also wanted to do with the film. Well, you mentioned two words that I'd love to explore and get your take on uh, profession and industry, because by any any uh, reasonable use of the word, we're not talking about a profession here. I think we need to start to think about a, a profession in a way to have people with psychosocial spiritual gifts that, that you know, get involved with this work, as you say, uh, that is so honorable. But we've we've put up this industry, this merchandise-based model of death care that's come probably from supply companies a long time ago that continues. Um, do you guys think that the future of death care is, is, is one that will allow for professionalism? And, and, and how do you think, if so, that, uh, that, that is the case, how does it, how does it get along with an industry that oftentimes is sales based and, and now increasingly uh, a, a corporate and, and uh, involving public publicly traded companies as well. How, how do those two things exist side by side or, or can they? It's oh, a good question. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the one thing that's interesting about what's been developing so often and what we saw in the film and following you and filming for, you know, over three years was the fact that, I think there's a there's a yearning for a lot of the people who do this work to feel like they are respected and have the same level as, you know, any um you know upstanding sort of profession that they're on the same par that these death celebrants and death doulas, however you want to call them, um 
are on the same par as hospice care workers, on the same par as, you know, nurses and doctors and all of that, and that their work is equally as valued. And, um, but it, I mean, it is really interesting because when you look at it too, it's also, there's a contradictory thing of a lot of people wanting to be outside of the conventions and they feel like, in a way, unfortunately, like, if the professionalism puts them into that box, which ends up becoming more corporatized, like the way in which people have seen with some of the hospice, like corporate hospice care in certain times has become, you know, maybe a little bit less caring than people wanted and a little bit less personal. Um, that, uh, and obviously it doesn't have to be, um, but, it, you know, from working on the film and talking with some hospice people, there's definitely been some grumbling about, the the overly sort of emphasis on money making and you know becoming sort of too institutionalized um yeah so i i do think it is a really interesting thing because a lot of, there's a there's a contradiction and sort of a, a tugging back and forth between getting the respect that they should deserve from being professionalized being considered having you know genuine education in schools because there's so much to learn. Um, and then also that feeling of like, does it take away from the intimacy, the, the, the feel of it? Basically so many people that are doing this work are doing this almost out of pure motivation for, um, you know, just genuine good intentions, uh, and for the families. And it's, uh, so it's tough because obviously they need to be paid well. They need to be, uh, you know, make a living, a decent living off of it, and they should. Um, so it, it is an interesting thing to think about what's going to happen and and how sort of people can maintain that level of um, intimacy and care and you know devotion to what families want, and at the same time be able to have to be more organized, to have a, you know, a sense of profession and standing in the industry that they deserve. Because right now it's sort of like the industry doesn't see them as having much of a standing. It's sort of, it's sort of only seen as like a DIY thing that, uh, you know, that it's, it's not something that's going to be incorporated so much. And if it is, sometimes those people kind of get disregarded a little bit because they're seen as sort of rebels or against the industry. Um, but yeah, I'm curious what, over the course of, you know, working for the GBC and now in Australia, the work that you're doing, if you feel like that situation, what, how that could be remedied or what, what are, what are things that you see going forward for sort of changing that? Well, I think that, that, you know, we've been very careful with, with the work that we did in the States not to sort of antagonize a very entrenched and fragmented and threatened industry. And in, I think that the movement needs to really support um, new models and professionalization. And we're starting to see it. There's actually a college down here that is very involved in palliative care, providing socio, uh, psychosocial and spiritual training I think that that would so easily um, could so easily be integrated in a funeral service. And in fact, much the same way midwives started to work with OBGYNs in, in the United States and other parts of the world. 
I think that to me that's that's a really practical model, and I hope that the, a lot of the people within the home funeral field, in particular, um, start to allow for that. Because you know, it, it, there's been people there that, as you say, Jeremy, didn't want this, don't want this to be anything more than a DIY uh, volunteer-based uh, work. But it just to me, it seems like the longer I stay in the field, the more I realize how difficult it is to to guide families through this you need to have people on the front lines that create space for families to make good decisions and i saw this in my own family and and i've seen it in other families where when people are left to their own devices they 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 they're 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 really they they don't quite know what to do and it just takes some nominal guidance by people that can show them their rights and options and open you know, their, 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 their minds up in my situation. I don't know if I told you guys, when my father-in-law passed away, my wife who's done home funeral work was able to do some incredible things with her mother, a very conventional woman, um, who did things that she never would have done with a whole, with a, you know, conventional funeral service provider. And it really so positively impacted her, her grieving process, which, you know, occurs on its own in, in a very, complex way so i i i think that to me i i think that we're going to see professionalization i don't think the industry is going to go away but i think that there are going to be people that get inter- integrated within it that bring something else to the table and i think the public is going to start to seek them out i really do in our own experience with clark's funeral we just saw how necessary it was or i mean it, it I don't know if it was completely – it was nice that there were people there who had done this before. There was not only a home um, funeral guide but a funeral director came and volunteered. He he wasn't getting paid but um, he knew Clark and um, Clark I think had almost introduced this idea to him and like Diane at Pine Forest who um, is the cemetery and who runs – the Green Burial Cemetery where Clark is buried, um, he was so inspired by Clark's passion and also now offers this at his funeral home. And he's a third-generation um, funeral director. He's the youngest son. So he was there. And having the two of them, um, as well as Jeremy and I, who at that point had done – I mean, just read so much about it or been around it that we kind of knew what we were doing. And then you, Joe, were on the phone with us constantly telling us – what to do and giving us advice. And I remember when the body was arriving, you were like, be careful and be prepared. Like it's not, might not be pretty. Um, and, and prepare everyone else for that. And I feel like without those elements there, like people, Clark's friends and family, they're going through a lot of grief at that time. Um, Jane wasn't equipped to handle it on her own, and um, she was sleeping in the house on her own if it wasn't for us, you know. And so it just I just realized how much it was it, it helped to have someone there who could handle the nitty gritty sides to it, and then the family and the friends could come and and do the ritual washing and the anointing and the beautiful, you know, the the candles and and those sort of things, which are just, I mean, and some people when they're grieving want to get in and and get their hands. I mean, they, they want to, you know, do everything. Um, But I'm just saying that I just, I just felt like I really firsthand noticed how much it was necessary to have a, a, a professional or someone with 
with experience there for sure. And, and I think that was one of the major things with the film that we wanted to convey and for people to take away from it, especially within the industry, just to see how over the course of just Clark's funeral, the the way in which you start to see someone like Diane, who had never done a green burial before in in that home funeral type context. She had done, you know, one or two other burials at Pine Forest, but never a home funeral to that extent. Um, the way in which you can see through the process of the film um, and through those three days that um, the passion, the the sense of purpose, and also just, I mean, how connected she was to Clark. But um, but just feeling like there's no replacement for for being part of that sort of spiritual journey and helping families through there. And having that be kind of the only way in which you can kind of learn the trade. Um, and it's like, it was so fascinating because we had talked with a lot of people about it and went through, we had gone to Jenny Bingham's, um, you know, home funeral training session. And we've talked with people like Char Barrett and other people doing home funeral stuff. And there, there was a certain point um, where, you know, we were well-versed enough because we had talked with them and seen, gone through things that, we had that checklist, so we knew what we needed and what we needed to do. But then there's just so many things, all these different variables that are unpredictable. Um, and that really is just why you need that experience, why you need someone who's been through it and, uh, and can pass down that sort of wisdom. And it's, a, it's not just a, a checklist of you know, things you need and tools, but it's that spiritual and emotional sort of guide that you were saying that people need to be taught in, that you need to be versed in, you need to go through these experiences. Uh, and we feel like what's so great about the film is Diane comes across in that way. You get a, a beautiful sense of just how much she cared for Clark. Um, and you also get a sense of that with Jenny Bingham, who shows up at the home funeral as well, and and Clark's friends too, who are who to this day, you know, are a lot of them are green burial advocates and will probably go to other funerals where they'll be able to pass on the wisdom that they learned from Clark, uh, from Clark's death and from that three day experience. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's really one of the things that's, that's great that people can take away from the film is that maybe you haven't experienced a, a green burial yet, but in the movie you get a semblance of that experience. You know, one of my favorite parts of the film was when we saw, um, we first saw the conversation between Clark and, and Jane where they're talking about um, where Jane's going to be after when Clark's body returns. And then we, and then we see the futon um, there with his body. It was so powerful and profound. And out of context, the idea that someone is sleeping next to a dead body, even you know a spouse or a loved one, is very odd. But because it was set up, we realized just how important and potentially cathartic that was. You know, it was so beautiful, and you see this all of these things that happen when there's space created for people to sort through this. Listen, this is such a and it's it's a complex process to begin with, and you have I think you guys also do a beautiful job 
explaining that these are unusual people too, to some degree, like we all are. And, and they had what made sense for them to do what they needed to do. And, and, and it was beautiful to me that they were supported and allowed to do that. There was no pressure. They were not told that something was not decent or dignified or appropriate or legal or allowed by, uh, you know, uh, by uh, public health standards. Thankfully, everyone knew what was going on. So you just saw people going through what they needed to go through and witness that process firsthand. It was, it was incredible the way you guys were able to capture that. Well, I, th- I think it, it, thank you. I think it wasn't hard with Clark. I mean, he's such a, he was such a pioneer in his community for that reason. He, he knew what he wanted. He wasn't afraid to go get it. And then Jane, during the whole process, knows how to listen to her gut and do what she wants to do and what she needs to do for her process. And so, and, and Clark, Diane and Clark say this, and I think it's so true that you just need to witness it to what a green burial is like and a home funeral is like and all that, and then you get it. And you can talk about it and have it described to you, but to really witness it. And that's what we tried to do with the film, is just let you witness that, um, because nothing else... you know. And then you start realizing that being sold something that you don't need isn't going to replace those experiences. And um, going back to your other question, or your other topic of... You know, there's. They had to buy the oils. They, uh, Clark had a casket made for him, but someone else might have to buy that. But beyond what you need, you know, knowing what you need is really a tough thing to figure out. But um, being sold a bunch of stuff you don't need is the farthest thing from. Or, or at least being the given the invitation. Um, and, and I remember, probably because of my experience in the film. Uh, one of the things that I threw out when my father-in-law died was uh, getting together with some of the, uh, the the grandkids to build a casket. And my my son, uh, my brother-in-law is a carpenter, and uh, I caught the stink eye pretty hard from my wife. And, and that just and she knew that I wasn't much of a craftsman, and it would involve a lot of profanity in the making process. But but that that was okay and we went through other things you know that then turned out to be great they got to dress my father-in-law and and sort of be with him and that had an enormous impact on on my wife and her sister and her mother and little things that you wouldn't know but it was really um it it it, it it's so subjective and we just really i think have to honor that time and and really you really see in the film the need for, I think, yes, communities and families becoming aware of this, but also people that can that can you know really create that space for families at that time. Uh, and uh, I, I I think you really showed a glimpse of what the future might hold. Really, to how to see how that really can all work together. People in this industry, people outside the industry. Yeah, you know, uh, a home home funeral guides, uh, family members. I mean, you had everyone involved and and i think that's personally where where things should go you know it, this should not be co-opted this should it, but you know when we stick people in what oftentimes is a sales model or can be um where people are pressured they're not i think given the space to make appropriate decisions and there was no evidence of that and it was just so great that you you're able to capture that forever so people can see how you know 
what, what that can look like. I found it interesting since the screening that we had in New York very recently, where we've had like a month, you know, a, a couple of weeks to speak with people since the screening in person. And I found that almost all the discussions, rather than talk, we definitely talk about green burial, but home funerals is like a really something that people want to dissect and talk about and that's definitely the part of the film that they seem to to me to to be focusing so much on and i'm wondering if you guys had have had the same experience or similar and i've just found that really interesting it's just like this fascination with yeah why aren't we doing this ourselves anymore like what happened why did we move so far away from that and I, and, and just feel that everyone is sort of share like, oh, I remember grandma's funeral. Like if we'd only had that time with her to get, you know, I feel like that was taken away from me. Um, which I've found really interesting coming yeah. from friends that I've known the past four years while we've been making it. And they haven't really brought that up to me before. But once they finally got to see it, then they realize like, oh yeah, it's not creepy or weird that Clark's in the living room like it was just so beautiful and you really get to see the the catharsis that Jane got and um and just everyone with their hands on him washing him and stuff it just it just totally really let people find peace with 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 death and 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 seeing a dead body which was kind of cool. And someone even said to Tony, actually, after the screening in Virginia, they said, came up to him and looked him in the eye and said, um, you gave me peace. And I, that's such a beautiful thing. I think that's like the, the be best yeah. compliment you can ever have mm -hmm. yeah. for the film or, or, you know, and that's what this movement is doing, you know, um, and that's the most important thing, I think. Yeah, and also feeling like, in a way, um, normalizing the experience for people, giving them a, a, a reference point for that, like like you said, at the beginning, people might seem to think that that futon conversation between Jane and Clark is entirely bizarre. But really, actually, it's her trying to find and figure out and manage the the way in which she can grieve properly and where the way in which she wants to and it's entirely individual and up to the person and showing that and having people become familiar with it then gives them a reference point so now that you know like you said with your experiences with your relatives where it's sort of like could we do this well you know could we make our own coffin yeah, yeah, you could. And like, you know, hopefully there's a lot of people coming from our film who will start to look at all the experiences that they've had with funerals and go, you know what, like the next time that something happens and I'm going through a grieving process, like I, I won't second guess myself and be like, I couldn't do that. Or like, that's not possible. Or, that's not normal. Or people will look at me in, in a funny way. Um, and and I think that's what's great too with the film is that it gives you this positive representation of it instead of just being like, well, this is what's wrong with what the funeral industry is. Well, it's like no, this is actually where it can go in a positive way um, through people like Diane and through what Clark has inspired. One of the uh, one of the great parts of the film, and there's so many uh, to me, was to to watch what 
Diane Matskovitz, the, the cemetery manager for uh, Pine Forest, went through and the role she played and how she was so impacted by Clark that she found the courage to to really do something that was enormously difficult. And I don't understand. People who aren't in the industry or especially part of a corporate entity, I can't, I don't think quite can appreciate what she pulled off. But for a company to dedicate cemetery space, available inventory as they call it, for an unknown, somewhat unknown emerging market is such a big deal. And Diane, I discovered, I didn't even know this for some time, you know, she joined the Green Burial Council, wrote a check to do so on her own uh, checkbook, joined, uh, came to a a seminar that I never thought much about. It was a marketing seminar that we put on with another company. But she was getting, basically, trying to get the ammunition together to be able to talk to the business people about why this was a good idea because she clearly had to do that and had to make she had to make the business case for this which is really a fascinating idea because we can say oh we love this idea but at the end of the day someone's got to sign the check Diane Metzkovich to me is is the real hero here along with Clark and and you know so much of what she went through obviously couldn't be part of a 90-minute film, but I think you guys did a great job capturing the essence of how she came to care about Clark and Jane and this idea and and the personal courage that she displayed and compassion. I just thought it was, uh, it just was overwhelming. But you guys really nailed that. But tell... Uh, our, our our listeners a bit about um, your your uh, your 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 journey with Diane and how how she became such an important part of the film. I, I couldn't agree more. Diane is such a strong part of the film, and she's sort of this secret s- second protagonist to Clark and Jane. And we everyone seems to respond just as much as as we do to her. Um, she is avowedly not a greenie. She does not makes no claims on being a greenie. Um, but she saw how much Clark cared about this and she just went, went with it. And like you said, she, she, some of it on her own dime and she, it was, took a lot of courage and, um, just to go out on a limb into this new, this new territory for her. And so seeing her transformation over the course of the film about how much, it means more and more to her and her relationship with Clark. I really think it, like we were saying before, lends a, shows how honorable and spiritual the profession is. And that's something that I think a lot of people who aren't familiar with the death care industry could be surprising to them. And I think it's very refreshing. Well, and, and, you, and when you say that, you know, Diane, I think, showed that she is a professional in, 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 in her, or approaches her work in a very professional manner. And this is, again, debated within the industry. You know, can you, can you be a professional if you have, you know, these other constraints and pressures? Um, but I think Diane does demonstrate that you can transcend that model. You can be stuck in it and you can rise above it. Now, I don't think most people are able to be like Diane, unfortunately. And that's why we have the situation that we have. But I think she shows 
she gives so many people hope that, look, you know, we're all stuck in, in situations. Sometimes we grow up in parts of the world with oppressive governments or we're, we're involved with managing one or companies that we can't control. Or There's always a way to step up and, and, and to, 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 you know, be transcendent. And I think that's really what Diane was able to do. You know, the, this, this model is, is enormously flawed, I think, and, and, and it, something eventually will be done about it. But in, for the time being, you can't really take it on. All you can really do is provide your own personal leadership and, 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 and be ethical and uh, uh, compassionate and full of integrity on a personal level. And, you know, it, it's, it's good to know that that still can work. You know, it, it's a very, very, very hopeful sign. Yeah, because that was really the the one thing that could have not ha- made it not work for Clark. But um, I know, and Diane will thank the GBC, and she'll thank Clark, and she'll thank her her bosses for you know letting it happen. Um, but yeah, she she exhibited a lot of leadership to to make sure that it did happen. And um, one thing that I find so beautiful is when we met Diane and um, out at Pine Forest, and she went out to visit the grave with Jane and Clark. Um, their graves she we said well where are you going to be buried Diane and she pointed across the across the pond to the conventional side she's like yep I'm going to be buried right there next to my mom and now she's actually um, her and Bill her husband she said on the way she asked Bill on the way to our screening in Durham North Carolina she's like you're having a green burial, Bill. Are you okay with that? And he's like, uh, well, he's like, I don't, I don't know. Like, she's like, yep, we're going to do it. So, um, and then Bill told me that after he saw that, saw our film in Durham, that he, he's okay with that now to have his green burial. So they've actually, um, they're planning to have green burial, uh, two green burials in, in the woods at Pine Forest. And then we met her son and he's also having, having one too. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so now the whole family are like going to be buried in the green burial ground, which, they moved. yeah, they moved. They, she changed her funeral plans. She didn't just start a green burial site. She's actually personally, um, so passionate about this, that she's changed her own will and Testament, which is cool. You know, the really cool thing about Diane and this, I know again, it, it couldn't get, make its way into the film entirely, but what, some people may not know from it was that, but I know because the way I came to know Clark was that he was a victim of greenwashing and greenwashing by a GBC provider who was involved in off, something awful and uh, something akin to a bait and switch scheme. They were going to provide green barrel ostensibly without selling burial plots in a, in a, in a, in a part of the cemetery that wasn't open. They were decertified and, coincidentally uh, investigated by the state uh, for other reasons. But we were able to get on that, and Clark was so devastated. I remember when I first talked to him, he didn't want to work with a Diane or anyone else. He was talking about this funeral involving no one in a dark suit. And, and, and as he got into it with, you know, and did more research, he realized that he needed some help. But I think that that relationship did a lot to repair and restore his faith in, in, in humanity. I mean, this is one of the things that people don't realize, how devastated people can be. You're, you're, you're having to deal with this awful stuff. And it's not, as Clark said, just about making meaning in a meaningless disease. You know, you're, you're having to deal with this, 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 this subject matter that we really don't want to approach usually. 
And we need guidance and we want to know, I think all of us, that there are people that we can count on to, to give us good counsel and to really to, to, to care about, you know, us as, as, as human beings. And um, that to me was what came through with Diane, that, you know, there are people out there that can. And it had such a profound impact, I know, on Clark and which is why they had such a bond. And then, you know, Clark felt so strongly he wanted to honor Diane, too. He kept, you know, at the end of his life was he wanted to thank her. It was incredible. I, I want everyone in this field of funeral service to see that and to know the kind of relationship that can can develop. I think that that is going to be ultimately what attracts all sorts of incredible people to this field. And in fact, it has been, as you guys probably know, in recent years, you've come across them. I think there's a new breed of people who... Um, who really do find honor in this work and I think are going to really breathe new life into it. And you've luckily, I, I think, you know, you, you, you've got evidence all over the, the film. Is there anything else that you would like to close with? We only have a, a, a few moments here about where the film can be expected to be seen and, and what, what the plans are for, for the coming uh, uh, months and years? Yeah, you know, we, we want to share the film as far and wide as we can. Uh, we're looking in the spring of 2014 to uh, hopefully have some theatrical releases and uh, we'll be doing community screenings where people can host them in their uh, their faith organizations, their community centers, their anywhere. Um, and that, that'll be starting in later spring 2014 and then hopefully television and uh, online in the summer of 2014. And all that information is available at awillforthewoods.com. And people um, uh, within the field of funeral service, obviously, at some point, will be able to use this as sort of an educational vehicle as well. And, and, and that's, right. that's right. And with those community screenings, we're also developing some educational discussion guides, so that could be used in educational settings or professional settings. And uh, you know, we really just want the film to do as much as it can to let people know that this is an option. And um, oh, also ICCFA. We will be uh, showing the film at the 2014 ICCFA, which we're this April. yeah this April, which we're really excited that they're um, you know open to that and that they're embracing that this um, should be seen by by the industry. And I guess also with the film, we really wanted it to be a tool for people to to have discussions about not just green burial but end of life issues and the whole profession, and so. We're really encouraging people within the funeral industry to use it as a as a means to create this discussion and as a platform to really just get people to be talking about this. Because uh, we've talked with so many funeral directors who have come to screenings and have had some frustrations with you know getting people to show up and talk about green burial in a way because it, it's kind of hard to ask someone to just be like let's let's have a conversation. But we feel like the the film is a really perfect platform um, and a way to get people into the the right state of mind to be able to start thinking about their own plans or not even their own plans, but just grasping the concept of green burial or, um, you know, bringing out further the, the discussion of, of death and our American way of dying. Great. Well, I think it's going to be used a lot. I And I think you're right, Jeremy. I think people are going to, 
probably just give it to families and say, take a look at this and, and then let's have a discussion. I hope that's what happens because we don't have enough um, good examples of, of this. And I think it's really the first time that it's really been brought to life and in such an artistic, elegant way too. Um, it's heavy. There's no doubt about it, but it's, 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 it's really watchable. And I think it's something that, um, I think family members in particular are going to pass along, you know, to other family members to talk about getting the conversation going. That's one of my frustrations too. I think, um, I know our culture uh, needs to have the conversation. Facilitating it's another pro- uh, problem altogether. And I think vehicles like a will for the woods really allow people to get their mind wrapped around this this thing in a way that people just haven't been able to. And you've done an incredible service. I wish you guys the best of luck, and I hope it uh, leads to all sorts of great things. And And I know the... The field of funeral service uh, owes you uh, an incredible, an incredible debt, whether they realize it or not. Yet, as do uh, a lot of people, including myself. And I just want to uh, tell you guys, thanks again for making such a, a great film, and uh, can't wait to see where where it all leads. We couldn't be more grateful to to you and to Clark and to everyone. You know, we're um, we're just thrilled that there was this story that we were able to help tell. Yeah, I mean, there's there's really no way that we could tell the story without the help of the GBC, without Clark and Diane and Jane being so open to us filming. So it, it is sort of this, it, it's a two-way collaborative effort. And so we're, we're glad sort of to see the the rewards coming in this discussion opening up and hopefully things changing in the funeral industry. All right. Thanks, Joe. Thanks. Thanks.